0: Well, this is week number four in our series that we're calling Slaying Giants. Want to give a big shout out uh, to our Poughkeepsie Valley family and also everybody that's joining us. Online, We always hear so much feedback from folks just uh, that appreciate so much being able to track with us on our online campus because this time of year is kind of busy with schedules and all. So uh, we want to give a big shout out to you. We love you guys. And, and wherever you are, you're a part of the Valley family. And, and before we jump into the message today, I'm pretty excited. I uh, want to share with the whole church family an announcement about someone who's just joined us uh, on staff. And that is Dan Gilman. Many, many of you know Dan Gilman. Uh, He's been a part of the Valley family for many years. He and his wife, Kathleen, uh, we actually ordained uh, Dan as a pastor this week. He's going to be an operations pastor. And you see there, he's got a bachelor's, master's, PhD, philosophy of apologetics of the Christian world Woo! I, this is a smart guy, uh, no doubt about it, and uh, we're just thrilled that, that Dan is joining us uh, on the team here. He's going to be able to help us out, already helping us out a lot in terms of operations. No, I'm not talking about surgery. We don't do that here, uh, and he's not that kind of doctor, but uh, in, in terms of just the general operations, two campuses, and as we're developing, you know, the Poughkeepsie campus, a permanent site, and you'll hear more about that uh, in just a, uh, another week or so, um, and, and so uh, just welcome Dan and, and give him a big uh, show of confidence, so uh, we 're really thrilled that he 's joining us. Well, back to the series again, week number four in our series, Slaying Giants and uh, week number one, we looked at fear, the giant of fear we called it Freddie Fear, uh, and then we looked at Gary greed and then last week we we, we looked at bitterness uh, as well and and you know, these giants are something every one of us is going to face or are facing in our lives. Sometimes we don't even realize it. Uh, next week we're going to be talking about another one, anxiety, the giant of anxiety. I hope you make plans to, to be here for that because many of us worry, uh, you know, we, we call it worry. It really is anxiety, is, but it is stressed out. We're going we're gonna to need to slay that giant in this series as well. But today I want to talk about comparison comparison and and let's look at christy comparison oh she's she's kind of hideous isn't she you see here she's got a mirror uh she's got a scale she's got three head she's got a three-headed monster uh by the way god didn't make anything with three heads he didn't make anything with two heads either that's just an interesting note uh but but here it is uh christy comparison now i know a little bit about this uh and i think perhaps uh you know just from my own life comparison uh but but i think maybe uh Just as a general statement, this may affect ladies a little bit more than men, and not that men are immune to it, but again, I live in a house, uh, my wife, three daughters, it's a thing for ladies. It's, 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 a, it's a big thing for ladies. So I think it's interesting that it is Christy comparison uh, instead of Chris comparison. And, and what we're talking about here is, you know, we're not talking about any of you, right? Uh, no, of course not. We're talking about them out there, those other folks uh, that dare to compare. So maybe you're single and you want to be married. And, and so you compare yourself to those that are. You're married. You want to have a baby. Uh, you have a baby. You're married. You have a baby. Now you want a house. Uh, we compare our kids, you know, my kids are smarter than your kids. Of course, we don't say that. We just flaunt that uh, every chance we get all the academic awards that our kids have gotten or scholarships or SAT scores and uh, who's student of the week and uh, and all these things. You know, one of the things... Uh, we compare as men a a lot of times our ability to provide for our families or having the latest, greatest. uh, And and so we're always kind of like, it's so easy that we compare. And, you know, we compare crazy things. Uh, uh, Sometimes I've I've heard, I've heard even ladies say this, oh, your hair is so beautiful. I wish you, I wish I could do what you do with your hair. I I mean, for me, I just, I just wish I had some. I, I, I don't care what it looked like or anything like that. And, and so we compare all kinds of things. And, and it does, it's really easy to just to open up some social media app that we have, and you begin to scroll down, and you're immersed in a sea of comparison. And so we want to talk about this because this is a real giant that really steals our joy. And let me say this even uh, as I invite you to open up your Valley Christian Church app and follow along. I think you're going to want to look back at this because these are going to be some tools that are going to help you uh, when it comes to comparison and how we can slay Christy comparison here. Uh, Let me just say this from the start like I said it's so easy you just open up an app social media app on your uh, on on your phone or your computer and you're immersed in a sea of comparison let me just say this stop comparing yourself uh, with 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 people's posts on social media because here's the thing if their life was so awesome they wouldn't have the time to post all the pictures they do there's just a thought if their life was so incredible they wouldn't even have the time to stop And post all those pictures so so you're comparing your average life or what you see you do every day with their highlight reel stop comparing in fact in Proverbs chapter 14 verse 30 the Bible puts it this way a heart at peace gives life to the body but envy rots the bones a heart at peace gives life to the body but envy rots the bones envy is a form of comparison envy is not The same as jealousy. Jealousy is I want what they have. I'm jealous of them. Envy is I want what they have so they no longer have it. Comparison. We're comparing. Envy rots the bones. So, you know, I've heard it put this way before. Stop comparing your chapter one of your life with someone else's chapter 20. I see so many young people that get married and they want what their their parents have, but their parents are in like their fifties and they're in their twenties. And they go into all kinds of debt because they just want it now. Don't compare your chapter one of your life with someone else's chapter 20. Because comparison robs us of joy. It robs us of embracing the glorious life that God has given to us right here, right now, today, in the present moment. In fact, uh, I, I don't know uh, how many of you have country music songs, but there's a great song I, I love. Trace Adkins sang this song uh, oh, probably about 10, 15 years ago. He said, you're going to miss this. You're going to want this back. You're, you're, you're going to wish these things hadn't gone by so fast. These are some good times. Just look around. You may not know it now, but you're going to miss this. And see, comparison always, I'm going to someday, someday, future, I want this. And it steals us of our joy of right now in this present moment. A heart at peace in the moment gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. So we're going to follow along this outline that we've been working, really, uh, in this series, See, Slay, and Stay. We're going to work this outline again, this time from the framework of comparison versus contentment. And and the first thing is we've got to see comparison for what it is. We we need to see it in our own lives. This isn't for someone else. Take this personally today, this message. Christy, comparison, here's the thing. She's not just a physical enemy. That that hideous picture that we put up, it's not just a physical enemy. She's a spiritual enemy. So simply deleting your Instagram or writing a list of things that you're thankful for uh, won't effectively deal with her because it's a spiritual enemy. And so uh, she thrives underneath the surface. And really, where did it all start? Well, it started all the way back in the garden. We can actually see uh, how, how Christy comparison began to get a foothold in humanity. And, and even in the garden, you know, uh, just just a real quick uh, kind of Summary of what happened here before we pick up the story. Uh, God created everything perfect. Man, woman, Adam and Eve, without sin, total perfection, and there was one rule. God said you cannot eat of the fruit of the tree, that one tree, the knowledge of good and evil. Think about it for a minute. Adam and Eve had everything, everything possible, everything except for one tree in in the entire creation, in the entire world. One simple tree. And it was at that point that Satan came first and tempted Eve and, and she gave in and then Adam did as well into sin and plunged all of humanity into sin. Let's look at it. In Genesis chapter 3 verses 4 and 6, but the serpent, that's Satan, said to the woman, you will not surely die, because God said if you eat of the fruit of that tree, you'll surely die. You'll not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. The reality is they were never more like God than in that moment, but a little bit of comparison. You know you you're not you're you're really not as much like God as you think you are. He's holding you down. He's trying to keep you back. That was the temptation. And then it goes on and says, "So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that it was a tr- the tree was to be desired." Do you hear the language there, comparison? It was a delight to the eyes. Oh, that would just make my life perfect. I'd be so happy with that fruit. The tree was to be desired. She just began to desire something that she didn't have. To make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate and she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. And it plunged all of humanity into sin. We are, every one of us, natural born sinners. Born with the sin nature because of the sin of the first man and the first woman, Adam and Eve. Eve. And here's the big lie that Christy Comparison whispers into our ears, whispered into Eve's ear and Adam's ear, and, and whispers into our ear as well. And that's this God is not enough for me, you need more. It's really good to have God in your life, but you need all kinds of other stuff as well. There's all kinds of other things worth living for. Beside God, God is just a part of it. This is the lie of Christy comparison. God is not enough for me. I need more. I need more. And so how are we gonna slay this giant of Christy comparison? We slay the giant of comparison by being satisfied with Jesus Christ. That's how we slay comparison. That's the only way that it ever stops. Like I said, you can delete some, some apps off your, your phone. It's still going to compare. It's, it's still human, that sinful nature that I'm going to see who I am, what I am, what I have, and I'm going to look at someone else and say, I don't have that, I need more. And it's gonna, Or we're going to look at someone, I have more than them, I'm going to feel superior. Or I'm going to look at someone I don't have, uh, what they have, the opportunities even that they have, and I'm going to feel inferior. And it's all because of Christy comparison. Parents, let me just say this, just as a tip, those of you who are in the throes of raising your children, uh, don't give power and permission to this enemy to enter into your family. Don't, don't try to keep up with the Joneses, and I know a couple of families named Joneses, they're really super, but don't try to keep up with them. Don't try to keep up with them uh, don't, don't compare. Don't let this in your house. Don't, don't let uh, this phrase, well, that's not fair. Don't let that stand when your children say those things because the world is not fair and it's never going to be fair. Let's not, let's not train our kids that it's always gonna be fair. We don't want fair, especially we don't want fair from God. And so here, here's really, here, here's really the, the way that we slay Christy comparison. Are you ready for it now? Let me give it to you in a kind of a mathematical equation, if you will. Here's the remedy Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. That we're content with our relationship with Christ. You and I were created that we are longing for fulfillment and that fulfillment comes in a relationship with Christ, a growing, thriving, daily relationship with Jesus Christ. And we try to fill it with academic awards, we try to fill it with achievements, we try to fill it with opportunities, we try to fill it with, with, with um, whatever incredible just outdo vacation after year after year after year, more and more and more. And it never fills that longing within us. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. A spouse won't do it. A child won't do it. A home won't do it. Another degree won't do it. Higher paying job won't do it. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Think about it, the Apostle Paul, uh, if he was living today, he would have, I, I think, like a, a huge Instagram and Twitter following. Uh, he, his about section on Facebook, would, would his profile would be ridiculously impressive. I, I mean, he was just, uh, just a, a man's man. He was at the top of his game in Judaism. All of these things, Pharisee of the Pharisee, teacher of the law, so much respect, uh, so much admiration from so many people. And listen to what the Apostle Paul wrote when he was in prison in Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 and 8. He says, but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and I count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. He, he says it's garbage. That's what that word <laughs> rubbish means right there. He says it's, it's garbage. All my degrees, all my achievements, all, all of the, the respect, the admiration, the fame, whatever wealth, Whatever possessions, whatever position, whatever power, it's rubbish. It's nothing. It means nothing in order that I may gain Christ. It all means nothing. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. See, I've heard it put this way before. We never realize that Jesus is all we need until Jesus is all we have. And and I've talked about this recently, you know, where where I just encourage, like, I think every Christian ought to go to a third world nation on a mission trip. Where you stay with people, they have absolutely nothing. I I mean, even when I say that, just these vivid memories come to my mind of experiences that, that Susie and I and our family have had. In the, the, the most impoverished nation in all of Europe, and, and the poorest part of the most impoverished nation in all of Europe. And, and they have nothing, but you know what they have? They have joy. They have contentment. They have peace because they have Jesus. They have Jesus. Jesus plus nothing equals everything that's how we slay this giant a Christi comparison I don't need more in order to be fulfilled let me let me just talk about me I don't need a bigger church I, I, I don't need more f- Twitter followers I don't need nor Facebook friends. None of those things are bad, but if that's where I'm finding my value, it'll never satisfy. It'll never satisfy. You know, because too many of us, we're living for likes, but we're longing for love. We're living for likes, but we're longing for love. And that love is found in Jesus Christ alone. His unconditional, life-changing, transformative love. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. So we've, we, we see this giant for who it is. Christy comparison. We slay this giant. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Now in the remainder of the time, and I know I got here in a hurry because I want to slow down, just want to gear down right now. I want to talk about how we can stay free how we can stay free. And actually, uh, what I wanna share with you right now, I, I found in a book, when I started this series, uh, my daughter Michaela came to me and she's like, Dad, you know, Louis Giglio wrote a book called Slaying Goliath, same kind of idea. I was completely unaware of it and she'd been reading it and, and I started reading through it. It's an incredible book, it really is. And, and, uh, and I wanna share with you in, during this, this stay part how, how to stay free of Christy Comparison because I think Lou did a great job of explaining this when it comes to, as we're talking about it today, uh, he was talking about a different giant, but as we're talking about it today, comparison. Staying free from Christi comparison. How are we gonna stay free? We have to first know how, mu- how valuable we are to God. That our value isn't in our accomplishments, our value isn't in our achievement, our value isn't in our possessions or, or anything else. Value comes because God plays value on you and on me. Maybe you're saying, well, what do you mean? I don't don't feel valuable to God. Again, I love how Lou Giglio put this. He said, you're worth Jesus to God. You're worth Jesus to God. You're so valuable to God, he gave up Jesus for you. As I like to say, he bankrupted heaven for you. That's how much you're worth to God. That's how much I'm worth to God. That he gave up Jesus. You're worth Jesus to God. How much are you worth to Jesus? You're worth him laying his life down for you. Think about it. The one who spoke the word and all of creation came into being, humbled himself put on human flesh, came in the form of a baby. The the one who, uh, Colossians says, holds all things together by his word needed his diaper changed. Couldn't even feed himself. Couldn't even control his arms and legs as as a baby. He went through all that. That's how much you're worth to him. That's how much I'm worth to him. And so four things about this in terms of our worth to Jesus, our worth to God, your worth Jesus to God. First thing is I think we need to understand the miracle of our creation. The miracle of our creation. King David in the Old Testament, uh, God said of David, he's a man after my own heart. didn't say that to anyone else. And David wasn't a perfect guy at all, but, but there was something about his heart for God that God said, that's different than everyone else. Not perfect, but he stood out. I think King David kind of got something that maybe you and I need to get, understood some things that we need to understand, had a perspective that, that you and I need to understand the miracle of his own creation and our creation as well. Look at what he wrote in Psalm 139, verse 13 and 16. For you created my inmost being. David, listen, he's not comparing himself to other people. He's looking at God and he is recognizing how involved God was and always has been in his life, even when David didn't realize it. You created my inmost being. Saying, God, you created my inmost being. You created knit me together in my mother's womb. As I like to say, there are no such thing as accidental children. There are accidental parents, but no accidental children. God is the giver of life. And David recognized this and goes, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you. Why? Because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. He doesn't say perfect. He doesn't say flawless. He says fearfully, like I'm in awe when I just look. At what you did and God you, you don't make junk I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made your works David recognized God I am your work I, I'm your, your your works that's me you crafted me your works are wonderful I know that full well my frame was not hidden from you When I was made in the secret place, again, in my mother's womb, you you saw me there. You were involved with that. You were involved with the details of my life. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, symbolically, in his mother's womb, he's talking about. He goes on and he says, your eyes saw my unformed body. This is long before ultrasound, sonograms, all that stuff David says, you saw my unformed body. And then I love this. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. God knows every detail of every day and every moment of your life and my life. Nothing surprises him. Nothing surprises him. David understood it. And here's the thing. God made you uniquely. God made you beautifully. God made you intentionally. God made you purposefully. God made you wonderfully. You're not a mistake. You're not just a nameless face to God. And we need to learn how to celebrate Understand the miracle of that creation, and 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 really just kind of be at peace with that. There's a long time in my life that I wish that 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 I was six foot tall, but God knew every day of my life it was written in His book, and He's like, Greg doesn't need to be six foot tall. When I was in college, I had. Uh, when I was in high school, I had college, you know, scouts they they would come to football games and they'd, they would pull my coach aside, they'd pull my dad aside and say, man, if your son was only six foot, <laughs> well, nothing I can do about that, you know. If your son was only six foot, but, but I'm not, God made me five, eight and three quarters. Don't sell me short of that three quarters. I round up five foot nine, okay. It's what my driver's license says, so it's kind of legal. And, and I just wanted to be six foot because I had a different plan for my life. But God had written in his book every one of my days that he ordained before they ever came to be. Same thing for you. God, God chose your eye color. God chose the shape of your nose, your face, your ears, your, your hands, all those things. And this is why it's, it's not fair to compare. When we compare our physical appearance even. Well, you know, you know I, I wish I was this size or I wish I was this tall, or I wish I was more intelligent, all these things. God created you for exactly what he planned and purposed you to be. You're uniquely, God made you uniquely, beautifully, intentionally, purposefully, and wonderfully. Here's the second thing that we need to to understand. (laughs) If we're gonna keep this this giant dead of Christi comparison and not, not breathe life back into her once we slay her, Second thing is this, celebrate the mystery that Jesus chose you. You're chosen. You're chosen. Jesus chose you. Look at what the Bible says. Ephesians chapter one, verse four. "Even before He made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in His eyes. You're chosen. And, and that should never give you, that should never give me, that should never give any follower of Jesus Christ some sort of feeling of superiority. The response and understand that God chose us even before he created the world, it should bring humility. Humility. There's no room for arrogance in the life of a Christian. Humility. That he chose me. This is, this is one of the great doctrines of the Christian faith. And that's the doctrine of adoption. You know, when it comes to adoption, even naturally, we have a lot of families in our church that have adopted kids. The the kids don't choose the parents. The parents choose the kids. They make the choice. And, and, And that's just like the doctrine of adoption. That's just exactly, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. You know, and, and maybe, maybe you're here today and you didn't come from a very good family. Maybe it's been just a struggle. Maybe you're actually a child that was adopted and now you're grown or, or still in a home like that. You know, I, I think this, and that's not what this message is about, the doctrine of adoption, but it's, it's so powerful. And, and even, even David understood this who was rejected by his family. You know, his, his father Jesse, when the prophet came to anoint one of his sons. <laughs> Didn't even call him in from the field. Totally just just thought, man, that David will never add up to anything. But, but listen, I, I, I love this. In Psalm 27, David said, even if my father and mother abandon me, the Lord will hold me close. The Lord will hold me close. It's kind of like a story, you know, of the Family that I heard of that had adopted a boy they already had a couple of kids and they adopted a young boy and and you know how siblings are even even in a family like that uh, they're, they're just needling this this little boy and and the siblings when the parents are there you know you're adopted yeah nah, nah, you know you're not really one of us you're adopted and, and then all of a sudden there was like this this like divine moment of wisdom that came from this little boy and this little boy said hey listen let me tell you something about being adopted you know what, for every one of you, mom and dad had to take whatever God gave them, but they chose me. They chose me. All of a sudden, things got real quiet in the room. Adoption, he chose us. Jesus also talks about this in John chapter 15, verse 16. He says, you did not choose me He's talking to his disciples, he's talking to you and me too. He goes, you didn't choose me, but I chose you and I appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. I chose you that you would become more and more like me. You didn't choose me, I chose you. And So we need to celebrate that mystery that Jesus chose you. Jesus chose me. Then here's the third thing. We need to grasp how costly it was for Jesus to rescue you. You and I need to grasp how costly it was for Jesus to rescue you. He gave it all. That's how valuable you are. That's how important you are. That's how personal God wants us to make salvation. Ephesians chapter one, verse seven and eight. It says, in him, that is Jesus in him, we have redemption through his blood. That's how much it costs. It cost Jesus everything. Everything. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. He adopted us, he chose, and now he wants to lavish his grace upon you and lavish his grace upon me. In this life his empowering presence to fulfill the purpose and plan that he created us for that he created you for and that he created me for as well we need to grasp how costly it was for Jesus to rescue you and here's the fourth thing and this is so cool I think we need to learn to live from acceptance not for acceptance We need to learn to live from acceptance, not for acceptance. God accepts you. Could I put it this way? God not only loves you, God likes you. And God wants to hang out with you. He wants to spend time with you every single day. Every single day. Live from acceptance, not for, we're not trying to earn God's love. If we were, if you could earn God's love, it would be conditional. That's not God, it's unconditional love, his love and acceptance. A a great picture of this really, I think, that really kind of blows me away when I think about it. Uh, when, When Jesus was 30 years old, he started his earthly ministry. That was kind of the beginning of uh, the inauguration, the launching of his earthly ministry. We don't really have hardly anything else. Just a little story here or there about when his childhood, you know, after his birth in, in his childhood. Uh, but but it's interesting. In Matthew, it talks about that the first thing, one of the very first things that he did was Jesus went and he was baptized by John the Baptist, his cousin. John the Baptist is baptizing people in the Jordan River and here comes Jesus his cousin and he stops and he points and he says behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world and he comes down into the water Jesus does and and John says who am I to baptize you Lord and he says we need to do this to fulfill God's requirement what God wants And, and so John the Baptist baptizes Jesus and he comes up out of the water and the Bible says that the the heavens opened up and the Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus as a a form of a dove. And, And then listen to this, and don't miss this now, we're talking about living from acceptance and not for it. Matthew chapter three, verse 17, and a voice from heaven said, watch this, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Now here's the thing. Jesus hadn't healed anyone. Jesus hadn't preached any sermons. Jesus hadn't really done anything. And God says, I'm well pleased with him. I'm pleased with him. I love him and i am pleased with him later on jesus preached he healed the sick miracles you know all of these things but god says this at the beginning of his ministry not in the middle not at the end he did reaffirm it at one other time uh, on the mount of transfiguration but this is this is when the, the it's a blank slate This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. And Jesus lived from acceptance, not for acceptance. And you and I need to learn how to live from acceptance, not trying to earn something we already have, has already been given to us. So powerful a point. Here's the last thing. I I think if we're gonna slay the... uh, stay I'm sorry we're gonna stay free you know we have to understand your worth Jesus to God and and the second part of that is this I think for every single one of us if we're gonna stay free you know what we've got to do we've got to pursue the one who's pursuing us we've got to daily pursue the one who's pursuing us because God is pursuing you and God is pursuing me you know recently uh my men short group is, is winding up. We just have uh, uh, actually concluding this weekend, concluded. And, and uh, we're talking about you know who God wants us to be and, and uh, uh, what, what true biblical manhood really is. And, and, and I was just sharing with the dads at one point, you, you know, as fathers, we're always called to pursue our kids, always, no matter what, because that's what our heavenly father did with us. He pursues us. We don't find God, he is pursuing us and all of a sudden the light comes on. He's working all kinds of details in our life to try to get our attention so that we'll see him for who he really is and he wants that and he craves that relationship with you and with me. So we need to learn to pursue the one who's pursuing us, not to pursue uh, trying to one-up someone else but to pursue the one who's pursuing us. Again, I think David gives us a real good framework for this. In Psalm 8, David, and I, th- I just imagine this is, you know, he, this is from when he's a little shepherd boy, and he's out in the fields, he's, he's watching the sheep, he's out there all by himself and alone, and he starts looking up, and all of a sudden it starts dawning on him who God is, how huge, how powerful, and yet how personal. And he writes these words in Psalm 8, verse 3 and 4. When I consider your heavens, and I just think he's just like, he's just thinking about it on a starry night in Bethlehem. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in their place, what is mankind that you're mindful what is mankind that you're, you're mindful of them? Well, what is humanity that you even give us a passing thought? Human beings that you care for them. The point is, he's saying, you do. When I look at the stars, I remember, you know, when I was a kid, we'd go to Sharp Reservation in school to the planetarium, and you're sitting up there and you're looking at all the stars and, and all that. Just, just... He's like, wow. David's having one of these wow moments of how huge, how immense, how big God is. And he goes, but you think about me. You think about me. And then later on in Psalm, uh, in that Psalm, just a few verses down, in Psalm 8, verse 9, he says it this way, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. How, how, how powerful, how encompassing your name is in all the earth What's David talking about here it is, is when, when we begin to slay these giants, we not only slay these giants, and we've talked about we can't do it on our own. We need God, God's power, the power of the Holy Spirit, which by the way, we're working on a brand new series after this that we're gonna be talking about the Holy Spirit. You don't wanna miss that this summer. It's gonna be fantastic. But, but when we, we slay these giants, and they stay dead in our lives, by the power of God, the Holy Spirit in our lives, we we not only do that for our freedom, but we also do that for God's glory. That God gets the glory. When when our spouse, when our kids, when when our, our, our friends and our coworkers say, what's going on, you're different. You're not the way you used to be. God gets the glory for that. Lord, our Lord, when I'm focusing on you, that you're mindful of me, and I know how you created me, and I'm celebrating that, how personal that is, how valuable I am to you, God. How majestic is your name. We make God's name famous through the freedom that we live out in our lives. That's what God's after. With God's power, we slay giants so we get free, but we also slay giants so God gets the glory. And God gets the glory when we stop comparing ourselves to others. And instead, we praise him and we focus on him and we lean in to his Holy Spirit and the power he wants to give us. And we allow that Holy Spirit to change us into the people we were created for and we reflect that freedom in our lives. God gets the glory. And so I just want to end with this right now. I want to go back to that statement. because so I think it's, it's kind of the punchline to this whole message. You are worth Jesus to God. You're worth Jesus to God that's how valuable you are. That's how valuable I am. None of us are perfect, but we got, we have to stop comparing and slay Christie comparison and allow our view of ourselves to be informed by what God says, how valuable we are, how what our worth is, and your worth, Jesus, to God. I'm going to ask right now, would you bow your heads with me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I know that nothing that I've said today is going to bring a change in anyone's life. That's beyond my ability. Lord, I know that your word can change everything, the power of your living word. And so, Father, I just pray right now that the word, your word, the scripture, that we've looked at, Lord, your Holy Spirit would just take that and drive it into our hearts and, Lord, drive your word into our hearts and drive out that sinful tendency, Lord, that we compare ourselves with others and may we replace those lies that comparison wants to tell us with the truth of your word and we would begin to see ourselves the way you do, that we are worth Jesus to you, That's how valuable we are, each and every one of us. Father, help us, Lord, not just to think new and act old, but, Lord, that our minds would be renewed today by your word and we would go out and we would live free, not for ourselves, but to bring you glory and that your name would become famous in this world, just as David said in Psalm 8. Right now, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I want to give you an opportunity. If you've never prayed before, to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. He loves you so much, He gave everything. He lived that sinless life, He sacrificed that life on the cross for you to purchase your forgiveness. And he paid for it in full that's why he rose again three days later because you don't have to pay that debt any longer that's how valuable you are to him the Bible says that if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead you will be saved so I want to lead you in a prayer right now if you've never done this before and in this moment just open your heart up to Jesus And as you open up your heart, I just want to lead you in this prayer that you can repeat after me to invite Jesus Christ to receive him as your Lord and as your Savior, and then to walk with him from this day forward. He's the one that gives us the power to slay comparison and all these giants we've been talking about. So if you've never done it before, just open your heart up now and repeat these words after me Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sin. I turn from my sin today Jesus I receive you as my Lord and Savior thank you for living for me for dying for me for rising from the dead for me thank you for your forgiveness Jesus I ask you to lead me today guide me direct me And I will follow you from this day forward. Thank you for being my Lord and Savior today and forevermore. In Jesus' name, amen.